Before I share this morning, I'd like to just acknowledge those that have uh, committed themselves to help, especially with the kids' ministry. We're so blessed to have people that even during time like this, they're out there looking after the young ones, the children. And you're so blessed to have people that are committed to serve and support our children. So thanks so much for our kids' workers. And also today, I'd like to acknowledge people that have set up their time to host small groups on behalf of Jesus, that those that have committed themselves to host small fellowships, whether it's a house group or a, a ministry group or a small group somewhere, I just want to say thank you. It's not easy, and I pray that God will bless you. And today, I'll talk briefly about small groups and the fellowship, the importance of that. But before I do that, I'd like to invite my friend, uh, uh, Arthur. <laughs> Your name is disappearing, Arthur. <laughs> Let's give a big hand clap for Arthur. Just briefly share with us. Arthur is one of our key leaders in small groups, and just briefly share with us. Who is in your small group and who qualifies to be part of that small group and what are you doing in that small group? Welcome, Eva. Thank you, everybody. Just, just our small groups. Back many years ago when Ian Jeffress was our pastor here, he, he had the idea of setting up small groups and uh, we were one of them and we went by the name of the over 50s because at that time I was just over 50. And that was a day or two ago. However, the group stayed together and there has been attrition by the fact that some have moved on. Uh, they're no longer with us, but, but the group remains. And I just thought I'd, I'd quickly tell you the format of our group. The group opens up with prayer, two hymns, then we have the study, and the study is taken out of, we've stayed with the one set of books right from our formation. And Stan just mentioned to me, they've got 31 books at home. And, and uh, if anybody wants to have a read of these books, we can pass them on. Recently, We've just finished studying Joshua and and Joshua, the study of Joshua shows the power of, of God and how he watched over the uh, children of Israel as he brought them out, out into the promised land. And then we now we had our first study on Hebrews and Hebrews shows the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives. And, and so this is, is what we've done. The study goes for about half an hour or longer. Then we have a time of prayer, which all partake in, and we finish up with a supper. And it was said by some of the elders many years ago that, hey, everybody just goes for a feed, but we go for a feed of the word, and that's what we go for. And... Uh, God has blessed our our, our uh, group, 
and we just pray for the other groups. But I'll, I'll pass on the format of our group. Thank you. So let's give us a big hand clap. So if who qualifies for your group? How many? Anybody? Anybody? anybody. All right. We anybody? They are saying they are saying over fifties, but anybody can qualify. I have a person that attended that group, and I really enjoyed that. So thanks so much, Eva, for that. Um, if you brought your Bible this morning, I'd like you to turn your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. But as I said, if you run a small group and you've not given us your details, please do that. We want to encourage as many people to join small groups. And if you've not given us your details, please send us your details. Share with us what is happening in your small group and Help us to understand, but I think we'd like to also to know how can we work with you and support your small group. And if you came today and you'd like to begin a small group, feel free to come and talk to us, talk to me, talk to any of our leaders, we'll give you direction, or feel free to call our church secretary administrator, Judy, <laughs> on phone. She's happy to give you some details on how you can register your small group um, with the church. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your commitment for us, oh God. And today, even as we talk about a number of key things, including small groups, I pray, Lord, that may you guide us, may you help us, may you talk to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, during the month of April, I would like to get a few people from small groups to come and share with us either testimony or something about your group. So feel free when I get back to you to talk to me about that. Okay, before we look at the scripture, I'd like us to make a little bit interactive. I think, Max, you started well to make it a little bit interactive. And uh, feel free to talk to me. All right. Oh, thanks, Anne. <laughs> Mike was almost running away. How do you, how do you know as an individual, how do you know as an individual you are growing spiritually anybody how do you know you are growing spiritually Sally yes yes wow that's good Sally saying she can feel it when she sings that she's growing spiritually thank you Sally anyone else who wants to help Sally Team, over there. Yeah. All right. When you're going through times, times. Anyone else? How do we know we are growing spiritually? It's a daily thing. All right. This corner. It's a bit quiet this side, you know. Well, I 
Yeah. When, like, kids grow, yeah. their clothes don't fit them anymore. Yeah. So if you're growing spiritually, yeah. you think maybe your old way of thinking doesn't fit anymore. All right. That's good. That's a nice one. <laughs> Give a hug. <laughs> All right. How do we measure? Probably my second question will be, how do you measure your spiritual growth? You know, for children, we have birthdays every year. We celebrate 10th, 11th birthday, 90th birthday. How do you measure spiritual growth? This corner, how do you measure? Is it because you've been in church for 200 years? (laughs) Is that how far you've grown? (laughs) You could be until God calls you home. You can be here for 200 years singing hallelujah. Anyone else? So you're more like Samuel. You're more like Samuel running to Eli. (laughs) One more person before we get to the word. How do you measure your your spiritual growth? You know those of us who go to the gym, sometimes you you, you can see the muscles from the gym. But how does spirituality? Yeah. 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 When we come to Jesus, we don't know everything. Yeah. But we progress and learn that. And so, like, unlike Reed, when we went to the doctor for 1,500 times, like 1,500 is the first time. Because 100%, I believe, as a church, we can flourish as individuals. We can flourish spiritually. Um, all right. Before I read the message this morning from Acts, I just want to remind us this word from Jeremiah. It says that blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So as Christians, I want to believe that in that place, by the water that sends out roots by the stream. We are that surrounded by that water of God. And I do believe as Christians, our roots are so much into the place where they're meant to be. But I think the technicalities or the challenges come when we are growing up. As a tree, 
when the wind shakes, when the storms come, when the challenges come in, when it, when it gets winter or summer, and, and that's at the times when you're shaking, it can make a big difference. And I like what Tim Niski talked about behind there. You know, when you handle challenges sometimes, The birth of the church was set on the day of Pentecost, which you celebrate every year. We celebrate this day every year. And this will be on the Saturday, 28th of May, 2023, fifth days after Easter Sunday. And I want to remind us because not that the church did not exist but the people who existed, the view of church was very different from the view after the day of Pentecost. These people knew God. These people loved God. These people spent time with Jesus himself. These people ate together on the same table. But their view and understanding of God was different. And on the day of Pentecost, there's something that happened in their hearts. And I want to remind us as a Christians that as a, as a Christian, when you make that commitment, when you make that dedication, when you commit your life, there's something that happens in your life. That the Spirit of God comes and live in you, to reign in you, to give you direction. But doesn't guarantee you how to survive in life. In the book of Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47, the Bible is giving us a clear picture of these people who receive this new revelation who received this new perspective, who received this power on what they did to move forward, on what they did to grow this young baby, this faith that has been grown in them, this faith that has been introduced to them, this faith that has been in their hearts. They did not just sit down and assume that now being filled by the Holy Spirit can go home and celebrate. They didn't just say, you know what, we've got the anointing, the people have experienced ABCD, we can just go home and sit and enjoy it. Acts 2, 41 to 47 says that those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship. So it's not just about the Holy Spirit they received. They devoted themselves to the teachings. They devoted themselves to the teachings and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. So today I'll quickly just talk about those three things, four things quickly, 
But I'm going to give more emphasis on fellowship as I focus on small groups today. I want to just briefly talk about those four. We continue to say, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I'm not asked to sell your property today. And I'm not even thinking about you're going to sell, but if your spirit comes in you when you sell, I want to remind you that you'll be not the first one to do it for the sake of the ministry. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an amazing testimony. This goal is measurable. You know, sometimes we say in Christianity, I don't have to set goals in Christianity because you don't know how to measure them. I can't measure my spirituality because I can't. Of course you can measure. If you haven't read the Bible for the last six months, you haven't been praying. They're measurable. You've never been to a fellowship. Those are measurable things you can measure. You can tell whether you're reading the word of God or not. You can tell whether you have been praying or not. You can tell whether you've been part of a small group or a fellowship somewhere, whether it's in, a, in your house or in a, in a workplace or wherever. You can tell you've been, never been a member of a fellowship. And you can tell if you haven't had Holy Communion. I'm not saying that it's, it's a must, but it's part of what they had. I like the last bit of it. And the Lord added to a number daily those who are being saved. So friends, I want to remind us that key to our spiritual growth, there are four key things that we can borrow from the early church. The followers of Jesus who had been baptized by the Holy Spirit literally devoted themselves to communication and unity with God and each other. They had to devote themselves, they had to commit themselves to the unity and the communication with God and each other. In a culture we say a single finger, a single finger can never, 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 never kill what? <laughs> How many of us know what Laos is? You know it, Andy? Where does it hide? Anywhere? 
in the hair, whatever. I've seen messages from school teachers, please watch out for your kids. Some stuff are hiding in the hair. I mean, it can happen. So we say in our culture, a single finger cannot kill. You have to press by two fingers to kill one. <laughs> what I'm saying in short, my friend, it's good to be a Christian, but if you're a Christian on your own, the journey is going to be longer. We also say the journey becomes shorter when the two of you are working together because you can interact with somebody. And, uh, and sometimes you realize after 10 miles you're there without really feeling this was a long journey. In relationship to God, they devote themselves in the apostles' doctrine, which was a word and prayer. And in relation to one another, they devote themselves to fellowship and breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread was not just because of the crucifixion. Breaking of bread is a cultural thing that has been there for many years. And breaking of bread was not just because of religious, it was because of coming together. People came together to actually break the bread. That was behind the idea of coming together. And fellowship is part of that. That we can come together. We may not necessarily break bread, but we can come together and share a cup of tea. We can come together and share something that is in common. So those are things that have been there. We are not inventing them. Yes, COVID came and, and brought social distance. COVID came and brought isolation. But I think from the desire, from God's point of view, that fellowship is very important for your spiritual growth. Breaking bread is more important for our fellowship, for our growth. Prayer is so important for our growth. And the word of God is important for our growth. So I want to quickly give you some few keys that I've just learned from this devotion. That as you think about your own growth, because you, I know where I am spiritually. You yourself, you know where you are spiritually. So, but I'll share with you some few things that I've learned from the early church that can help us individually to grow. The first part of spiritual growth is our devotion to the word. Verse 2 says that they devoted themselves to the word. And today I want to encourage you to think of your Bible as a handbook. Because yes, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, but they devote themselves to the word. In other words, you have the spirit in you. But I think many times the spirit is to teach and remind us and to encourage us but you still need the word itself to actually speak to you. So I want to encourage you. For some of us, you know, reading is not a big thing. But if, if you struggle to read, a small group will be a good place to share with the other people. Because I can tell you, reading is not just something wake up and open a scripture. I had a friend of mine who used to put the Bible on the table and just 
the chapter that opens first, then he wants to read that. He used to believe that's what, how God talked to him. But I want to encourage you, reading is something for you. It's not for somebody else. Reading is for you. Reading something you want God to help you as you grow. And there's more on how we can live our lives within the Bible that we may realize. There are many times I open scriptures that are spoken to me in the Bible. There's prophecy. Uh, there's words of encouragement. You look books like Ephesians. Do not think of yourself highly. Then, that you ought to. It talks about pride. The book of Philippians has a lot of stories where Paul is talking about count it for joy. And there are so many examples you can look at that. So the Bible is full of lessons. If you truly believe in the kingdom of God and want to pursue his ways and culture, we need to understand the importance of God's word in our spiritual journey. I remember when we applied to be the citizens of Australia, they told us you're going to do an exam. Exams are not easy, but very, very scary. And uh, some, people make, some people made a lot of noise that why should other people do exams? But I think when you do that exam, you realize the importance of doing that exam because it did tell you a bit of the culture and the values and the history of Australia. And sometimes I ask myself, we really talk about the kingdom of God. <laughs> We're struggling with the values of the kingdom. You're struggling with the rules of the kingdom. You're struggling with the, with the policies that govern the kingdom. How do you feel you fit in that kingdom that you want to live in? So the Bible is, is helping us. It's giving us an overview. It's, it's helping us to understand that, that, that uh, yes, we have our own values in our natural way, but the kingdom has different values. That if you really want to be part of this kingdom that Christ declared in, when he started his ministry, that repent for the kingdom of God has come, then we will have to come to be in a place where we value the kingdom's value, the rules of the kingdom. And that's in the Bible. A second key is prayer. He said they devote themselves to prayer. How does prayer help us to grow spiritually? How? Prayer actually helps us to develop the right view of God. Prayer helps us to have the right view of God. And I'm going to give you examples very quickly here. If you don't understand how God loves you, provides for you, or how God heals you, or even how he delivers you, you struggle in your spiritual journey. 
And many times I found myself struggling to pray because doubt, when sometimes I'm struggling with doubt in my own journey, I struggle to pray. I struggle to go before God. If you never, never understood how God loves you, you'll never see him as a father for you. If you've never understood how God cares for you, you'll never understand how to go in his, before him and embrace him as heavenly father. If you've never understood how God provides for you financially, physically, you struggle to go before him and tell God today, I'm not 100%. I'm struggling with ABCD, that this pain has been giving me problems when you go before him. I saw an article sometime back. Someone said that in Africa, people pray so much because they, have, they, they need so much. They have diseases and, 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 and hunger and frustration. And I said, it could be true. But some of those people, their view of God is not because of the need. It's because they've come to understand that God provides for us. God gives us. And I was telling someone yesterday... That I've seen kids study under a tree, myself. I've seen children studying under a tree. No, no classroom and no board to write on. A teacher is struggling because that's a teacher. I don't even know how you can teach kids who are sitting under a tree with no books. And you have to teach them under a tree. A friend of mine last, last few years back... He married a lady that had no feet. A lady had no both feet at all. And people were laughing at him, asking, how do you even think about marrying a woman that has no feet? And the guy said, you know what? I've come to a place in my life that I can appreciate God that has given me both feet. And my view of God is that if I can... If I have both hands and both feet, I can support somebody who does not have feet. I want to challenge us, friends, that if prayer cannot change your view of God for you, if prayer cannot change your perspective about God, then going before God to pray is going to be useless for you because if he doesn't become a father for you, if he doesn't become a care for you, if he doesn't become a provider for you, if he's not Jehovah who watches after you, if he's not Jehovah Shalom that gives you peace in your family, that prayer for you is going to be a struggle in your journey, your spiritual journey. I like this scripture where the disciples were walking with Jesus one day. And Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he's finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our heaven father, hallowed be thy name. Perspective, view, 
that he's your father. When every time you think about him as your father, everything else will flow because he's your father. That's the first place you need to start. That's the view that the prayer will give you to understand. That if you start seeing God as your father, you're growing. Your, 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 your journey, your, your, everything in you begins to change and see him as your father that is helping you like a father helping a baby to grow. That everything you pray and you call upon him will start to flow in the right direction. Apostle Paul said that we receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, in Romans 8.15. In Hebrew, Abba is a term for a father, much like Papa in our culture, or Baba in Swahili. In our culture, it indicates respect, but it's affection and intimacy. The understanding of God as Abba and the knowledge of our identity as his children equips us to reject certain accusation that we are hopeless. That when we start looking at God in prayer as our father, that everything else said and talks about us, whether he accuses us, sinners, whether he tells us that your God is helpless or powerless, it doesn't hold the water because we look at him as everything for us. And the last thing I want to share quickly before I finish. Our third key is fellowship. And this is why I brought Arthur here to come and talk to us about fellowship. Friends, if you look at the history of the church, if you look at the journey of Christ, Christ had an opportunity to put up a mega church in Jerusalem that can hold up to 10,000 people, but he never did it. Christ hasn't had the capacity. Christ had the, the, the teaching. Christ had the privilege of having the biggest church in the world, whether it would have been in Africa or in Europe, wherever he needed to be, he would have put it that church. But Christ valued small groups. And I want to tell you, as a church, as we grow bigger, the need for small groups becomes alive. A friend of mine told me that you can easily feel alone in the crowd. You can be alone in the crowd if you're not connected. And today I want to encourage you, connect somewhere. These guys knew that they connected the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was running in their life. The Holy Spirit was speaking to them, but they felt the need to connect with the other people because the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that Paul is talking about is not just one person and another person, I mean, up there and here, but also it's a cross that when we connect the fellowship of the Holy Spirit between the three of us or four of us who are gathered together in the spirit about Christ that brings change for our lives. That if you want to see the growth of your spiritual life, if you want to see changes in your spiritual life, that when you connect yourself with the people that have common ideas with you, people that have fellowship in the spirit with you, people that are 
can see and view things with you, are able to help you in your journey and walk with you or walk beside you in your journey. Some of us have had lives that, is, that has wounds. Some of us have lives that is carrying scars. But sometimes God connects you with people that have gone through ahead of you with bigger scars that when they hold your hands, they help you to heal as you walk through those, your journey, your spiritual journey. As a pastor and a chaplain, I've had a chance to listen to so many stories from people. I've had stories I've had testimonies from people because they're saying that if we are not for so and so, if we are not for this person, I don't know whether I'll be still spiritually active today. I'll be spiritually dead. I want to encourage you, my friend. You may be, everything may be looking okay. Everything may be looking super. But I want to remind you, Jesus being God has his own fellowship of 12 people that he gathered around that they had time to pray and fellowship together. There are many ways we can benefit from small groups. Small groups help us to form strong relationship within the body of Christ. And through this, we can build trust. And through trust, we can support one another. Because you come to a place, you find a safe space where you can be able to express yourself. You get to a safe space where you can share something with somebody that can work with you in your journey. Like I said before, Jesus belonged to a small group, his disciples. Toward the end of his ministry, he told them that I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything that i learned from my father i've made it known to you Friendship for small groups also help us to to build unity in the body as the body unites and starts to grow Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Ephesus by saying that make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So through the, through the fellowship you have, the, the, the small groups we have, we form the unity that Christ is encouraging us to form. And the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us that and let us consider how we may spur one another onto word, love, and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some of us in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all, the more as you see the day approaching. So these are things that have been there before to help the church to grow and to help us as individuals to grow spiritually. Fellowship helps us to expand the kingdom. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 242, talks about how the early Christians devoted themselves to fellowship. In other words, the most significant outgrowth of their devotion to the fellowship was a sense of mission. And the joy of seeing people come to Jesus. When we are all devoted to the fellowship, we have a concrete foundation for what God wants us to do, not just in us, but through us. What's your desire when you meet together? 
you know, it's not just having a fellowship or a group, but what is your desire? What is your goal when you come together? And these guys did not come together because they really want to enjoy bread. They didn't come together because they wanted to, to, to have like a small club. They came together because they really want to spar, encourage, and, and, and share the, the unit of the spirit that they had experienced on the day of the Pentecost. I'm not here to promote Susan Young, but I saw this quote from her and, and, and I thought I'll share with us today. She said that connecting with others gives us a sense of inclus- inclusion, connection, interaction, safety, and community. Your vibe attracts your tribe. So if you want to attract positive and healthy relationship, be one. Staying connected and getting Reconnected feeds the flow of goodness which empowers our humanity. Like I said, it's very easy to be alone in the crowd. It's very easy to feel lonely. Even when people have surrounded you, it's very easy to feel lonely. And my encouragement today, that even through the crowd, through many of us, whether it's through your family, through the church, that you feel, you feel somehow connected to somebody. You feel connected to somebody because the desire, the prayer, and the cry from myself and I've seen from the Bible is for you to feel a place you can call home. It's for you to feel a place you can feel family. If for you to feel a place you feel you belong in a family. As a church we grow. I meant to say spiritually by engaging in the same kinds of activities as those of the early church. So that we too may become the kind of people who can constantly announce, express and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And I believe we can borrow from professional athletes. Athletes who build muscle by doing thousands of repetitions appropriate to their sport. I mean, these people, they pay hundreds of money. And some of us are here today, you pay so much money to the gym. Yeah, is that true, Jason? Or maybe you don't. Some of us pay, but we don't go. <laughs> I'm just sorry, I picked you, Jason. But I'm saying we pay money to the gyms. If you go Saturdays, you're busy to build something. But you can't just run a day. I, I run, but I can't run for a day and assume that I'll, I'll grow as a runner. You can't play footy one day and believe that you can be a footballer. You can't ride one day, and assume you can be one of the best cyclists in the ride, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep doing it. And my prayer today, that whatever you do, that helps your spiritual growth. I want to encourage you. You have to, you have to form the habit. You have to form the habit. My, my former boss told us that it's very easy 
to pick up bad habits because you don't need you don't need to do anything. I mean, bad habits just happen. But if you really want to have good habits, you have to work hard for good habits. He said, it's very easy to get up late. You don't have to think about it. You can be late. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about it eating junk food. It just happens. But he said, good habits, you have to work hard at them to maintain good habits. You know, it's like a farmer that you, you put up this nice farm and you did everything. You removed the weeds, but you planted nothing. How many of us know that it will not just remain empty? Can it remain empty? And whatever grows there does not need fertilizer. Try for those of us who have farms. Or even your backyard, don't even do anything about your backyard. Just leave it. And see whether it will stay clean. Yep. What I'm saying today, friends, you've done so much, you can't just afford to stay and say, you know what, I'm a good Christian. That I don't have to do anything because I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm saying these people were filled at the day of Pentecost. They experienced the power. They walked with Jesus, but the Bible said they devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. In other words, they never sat down and said, you know what, I have the spirit. I'm okay. I've walked with Jesus myself and my seat in heaven is guaranteed. I just walked there and Christ will say, Peter, wonderful job you worked with me down there winning souls. Come and sit here. Oh, John, you're one of my best disciples. Well done. Come and sit here. These guys worked hard for it. I want to call the, the worship team. And the worship comes, I want to read something. Why we can never earn our merit, anything from God. We can exert the same effort necessary to build spiritual muscle and maximize God's investment in us, either through reading, praying, and fellowship. I want us to stand up to this morning and just stand up. And ask yourself this question, where are you spiritually? Is there something you're doing about your journey? Is there something you're doing that can help you to grow another two, four, ten times at where you are now? Do you have a goal for your own spirituality? Is there goals that you've set for yourself that you want to grow spirituality? Are there things, are there friends that are, that are hanging be beside you, people that are walking beside you, that are encouraging you to, to keep going, to keep walking? Lord, we thank you today. I thank you, Father, because many times I feel exhausted Many times I feel that maybe I've arrived already. But many times I feel I've just had more than enough 
to keep me alive. But I want to pray today that God may you help me to go back and learn from the this this people, this early church that devoted themselves to read, to pray, to fellowship, to come together. May you help us as a church, Lord, not to get stuck in the mediocre of our journey. And today, Lord, I pray for somebody today that has been struggling spiritually, are feeling dry in their journey. God, I pray today that may you revive them by igniting back the Holy Spirit that you did, you gave to the early church on the day of Pentecost, Father. That they may see you in a different way. Their perspective, their view, their mindset can change today and see you as Abba, the Father. That as we put our hands up and worship you today, God, that may you open our hearts to see you in a different way, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.